0: May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Here's a slightly strange question for you this morning. How often do you think about calendars? I'll admit to thinking about them pretty much all the time. As a priest, my life is governed by a series of overlapping calendars, some of them quite ancient. And I'm guessing that your life is governed too by calendars of some sort, the work week or the school year, favorite holidays, annual events. You probably all have a love-hate relationship of sorts with these grids and patterns that structure time for us, that structure our lives. Maybe the calendar has been your enemy for the past year, counting off a monotonous series of months, no one different from the next, as vacation plans and social events disappeared, as holidays, birthdays, and, important anniversaries sailed by with little recognition or without the festivity that you were accustomed to. Maybe you live in fear of the calendar, dreading anniversaries of loss or special times of year that have lost their meaning in the absence of departed loved ones. Whatever our relationship might be to calendars, they are all around us and we are dependent on them for so much. We've just had a pretty big change in our liturgical calendar, the calendar the church uses to order our cyclical celebration of and indeed participation in the mysteries of our redemption in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The great 50 days of Easter are behind us. And with a couple extra Sunday celebrations passed, we now find ourselves in that long stretch of the summer and fall that we sometimes call ordinary time. Ordinary not because it's bland or routine, but because we count the weeks with ordinal numbers the third Sunday after Pentecost, the fourth, the fifth, then so on, until at last we arrive in late November or early December at another year, another Advent. Then again, there is something ordinary in that other sense about this season. We decorate the church in simple green hangings and vestments, putting away the whites and golds and the sumptuous Easter decorations. The many feast days that litter the rest of the year, well, they they calm down a bit, and we have a season of more regularity, interrupted, of course, by a few special celebrations. We're back to reading the rather simple and short Gospel According to St. Mark for most of this year. And this morning, what could be more ordinary than hearing one of Jesus' many agricultural parables describing the kingdom of God? After the high drama of Easter and the heavenly mysteries of Trinity Sunday and Corpus Christi, we return to stories about sowing seed, about mustard plants in this time of year when things are growing again in our part of the world. Drive just a little outside of the city and you'll see rows of corn and soybeans beginning to take off, bright green, just like the altar in the church. the kingdom of God, that phrase that Jesus used to describe something no less than the transformation of the entire world, the salvation of all people, all creation, the righting of wrongs and the forgiving of sins, the justice and righteousness of God reigning on earth as it is in heaven. The defeat of death, and all that holds us in bondage. The kingdom of God, the thing we're waiting for, and yet the thing that we have already seen a glimpse of in Jesus, already witnessed its beginning. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground. It would sleep and rise, night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. The kingdom of God is also like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. We know how plants grow. We can watch them once they've sprouted. But what happens beneath the soil's surface is a mystery. Maybe less so to the modern farmer than to the ancient, but still hidden from view, still happening out of sight. So too is the kingdom of God, Jesus says. Just a little seed, the mustard seed. Not much to look at. And yet surpassing all expectations, it grows into a large and sprawling plant, that which was small and discounted, becoming great and expansive, the last become the first. So too is the kingdom of God, Jesus says. With these two simple analogies, in the agricultural world in which he lived, Jesus succinctly teaches us that the kingdom of God cannot, in fact, be put into a calendar, not even a farmer's almanac. The kingdom of God grows beneath the surface. Its timing is a mystery. And when it does sprout, it is totally unexpected growing from the smallest, most insignificant seeds. As adept as we are at managing all of our calendars, it turns out that ultimately we do not know the times and the seasons of the kingdom of God or even our participation in it. We probably don't even know what it will look like fully We see its beginning in Jesus. We can point to its arrival, its announcement there in the gospel. And and we see what Jesus taught, what he commanded, what he did for us in his passion. And so we can guess what the kingdom might look like. But like buried seed germinating beneath the soil, it remains very much a mystery. We don't know when the harvest is coming, just as we don't know for sure when we'll get to declare that this pandemic is over, that we've moved on to a new season in the calendar of our common life. But God is growing the kingdom. This we can be sure of, seed by seed by seed even if unknown to us. Seeds were planted in the last lost year, in the soil of the isolation and confusion and grief. Seeds are being planted now, as we tiptoe back to normal. Seeds will be planted in the future, in whatever new normal awaits us, in the generations to come for whom the tragedies and triumphs of this time will be just short chapters in a history book. God is planting seeds here among us in all of God's creation, bringing forth the kingdom of God in God's own good, ordinary time. They will grow and they will ripen. Fruits of justice and righteousness and forgiveness and mercy and love. We may help with the cultivation, but do not worry. God will make a beautiful, bountiful harvest in time. It's not on any of our calendars, but one day it will be.